know, we're all in this together. Like the, the, the NCO core, we're, we're all in this together. And we have a lot of internal experience. I think everybody wants to see CA uh, succeed and become better. All right, welcome back. And thank you for tuning in to part two of Letting the Cat Out of the Bag with Star First Class Peterson and Staff Sergeant Brian McNeely. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone to go check out the Unomia Journal on the Civil Affairs Association webpage. That webpage is www.civilaffairsassoc.org or www.civilaffairsassoc.org. We've got a couple of new articles there for you, one from Captain James Machichi titled Civil Information Management in Urban Environments and a second one from Captain Brendan Jackman titled Carving Our Niche, a Modular Concept for Future CA. Again, go check those articles out, and as always, thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. All right, so the next uh, the next issue you guys brought up, and this one is, is kind of near and dear to my heart, too. What did you guys come up with in your paper? We talked about social media, right, and using that as a platform to recruit from versus just a, a sort recruiter who we know are not always 38 Bravos. There's 79 Romeos sometimes, and these guys are trying to do their best, but they just don't understand like the intricacies of civil affairs, right? They see these old World War II videos of CA guys handing out stuff, and they're like, yeah, come be this, and it's like, oh, man, there's so much more to this, right? So how, how do you guys, uh, how do you think we can use social media as a platform versus versus just face-to-face interaction? What's the bang for the buck there? Oh, uh I'll save my comments for the end. I'll let the young guys handle this because uh, uh, aside from the AARP uh, newsletter, uh, this is not my wheelhouse. So I'll let Chris and Haley address this and then I'll, I'll just add stuff on the end. What about you, Haley? We'll start with you. Um, I think we just moving forward. I think the advanced skills detachment has gotten a pretty good hang of it. They've been posting like the training that they offer, like stuff at the ranges, driving, combatives stuff like that if we can continue to promote what we actually do and the training that we offer um i think it makes us much more marketable uh to get other soldiers and other people's interest uh in the past i don't think we've really had anybody posting anything or any types of pages to really promote what we're doing if we did have anything it's super outdated no i agree i agree chris what do you got so there's Today, I kind of threw like got some statistics prepared for this. So every minute, <laughs> came armed and ready. Every minute in the world, there's three hundred thousand likes, three hundred thousand comments, and three thousand posts. Three hundred thousand posts on Facebook. So I think, as far as the influence or information battle that that is recruiting, I think we've we've kind of lost it right now. I think there's hope though. Um, so if you look at ninety seventh, ninety fifth, I think they have. You know, 500 followers a piece on Instagram, uh, ASDS 1500, I believe, right now. I think uh, Instagram, Twitter, these platforms, you know, is the future. And that's the thing you talk about with like doctrine, too. It's always evolving, and these things are always evolving, ever changing. The minute you stop, you've already lost. So I think that having, you know, I've talked to some of the people who do the ASD page, I've talked to people, I think having you know, more than just like one or two people running. I think having a, cause most successful business platforms that run social uh, media as their marketing tool, they have six, seven, 10 people running this. 
Um, and you have to post hourly, daily at least, you know, to, to kind of get this thread going to get part of these algorithms. So I think having multiple people running these pages, you know, um, I think posting a very diverse group of things, because when you look at these pages too, some of them have a lot of similar photos. So I think reaching out to the, the, the battalions themselves and having battalions, you know, send five, 10, 15 photos from your most recent deployment. I think the battalions themselves could feed this, this beast, so to say, and that could be pushed, being pushed out to everybody. And look at how the Jedburgh is recruited. They would post uh, posters in foreign languages saying, if you could read this, we want you or we need you. Like imagine posting that on the 97th page in Chinese or Mandarin um, or any language uh, or you know, in French in the 91st page. And it attracts people who are in the civilian world, who are in the army and have this skill where they speak you know, these other languages or have these other skills and they're just not being capitalized on. And that would draw them naturally, inherently to, to go be a part of this organization where they'll be a part of their culture, they'll fit in. I had talked to some guys um, I met at the uh, shop at the other day in line, I heard him speak in the phone uh, in French. I started speaking to him in French. He was like, wow, he was just taken back. I could speak French. And I was like, yeah, man, like there's places in the army that, that teach you this. You get paid to speak your language. You get paid to go um, to places, you know, at one point your family called home, you know? And so, you know, people inherently want to be a part of, you know, have this cultural expertise, want to be a part of that, you know? They, so I think it's something we could capitalize on with social media. It's just, it has the potential it's there. And I, I you know, it's near and dear to my heart as well, and I hope that it evolves to kind of reach that that base where it's self-recruiting. You know, it's the recruiter that we said never sleeps, you know, never gets tired. It's always just feeding the beast and recruiting. So, you better hope Branch and uh, Brigade CSN don't hear this, or else I see uh, Fort Jackson in your future. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I Chris hit on it. We talked about this before, so. Um, because we both had read a little bit about uh, Jed Bergs and then some of the other uh, special operations units in World War II, and that was that was kind of a tactic. They would post a flyer in a foreign language and would say, "If you can read this, you know, call this number. We need you." And I think there's there's not enough of that now. We we have this volunteer force, and we, we tend to be passive and say like, "Oh, well, they see our stuff. They're gonna they're gonna walk in." Uh, I've been selected before to uh, to act as uh, an assistant translator. For, for Chinese for um, a training opportunity. And they had got my name by doing a roll-up of all the people that were language qualified on the base had gone to like the, the Garrison S1 and said, I need a roll-up if everybody speaks Chinese at a certain level. And that's how they were pulling these people. And the idea that, you know, we, we, we train people to speak a language, but you can't uh, train somebody to the level of a native speaker, and we've got a lot in the United States. I mean, we're a country of immigrants. We, we draw people from all over the world, um, most of them very patriotic. Uh, the ability to pull a list of people that speak critical languages that we need and then actually reach out to them and say, hey, you know, you're needed, you're valued. Uh, sometimes people don't don't walk in the door. You know, they're, they're humble. They've never thought of themselves in the position, uh, in that position, but actually somebody seeking them out for that particular skill and saying like, hey, we, we pulled your name. You know, do you want to join the team? Like, you're needed. Uh, people, people tend to answer the call. Like, people don't usually think of themselves until, until they've been called, and then all of a sudden it kind of you know, sparks something inside of them. And, uh, and I think we kind of miss that sometimes. We're like, ah, they'll come into the recruiting station. Ah, they'll see the flyer. You know, but something that's, that speaks to that person on an individual level, I think, uh, does a lot more. And whether that's the sign in their native language, uh, or it's 
you know, a recruiter calling him up and saying, hey, you, know, you speak Arabic, we need Arabic speakers, you know, if you want to join the team. I think doing that makes people feel like, wow, I'm, I'm valued, I'm needed, and uh, it can really, you know, like I say, light a fire inside somebody. So, And of course, sorry, one last thing I had to, I thought about. Um, so me and Matt had put together a program where uh, we were working with the 83rd um, to go train some people in 18th Airborne on just basic medical stuff, and we had thrown in, um, you know, they, they saw this uh, advanced level that, you know, soccer medics can perform at. They were really impressed by it. a lot of 68s, a lot of uh, 31 series, and they're like, man, like, I didn't know a lot about CA. I see what you guys are doing. You're telling me about this training. This is awesome. I just didn't know this. And so I always kind of threw in uh, a recruitment pitch. <laughs> and I think, I mean, truly, like, if, you know, use, you know, use what you got. Like, I think if our guys are out there with other, like, uh, units training, uh, just throw that recruitment pitch in and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, have the photo. I, I took some photos from last deployment, you know, that, that everyone contributed. I said, like, these are our photos. These are what our guys are doing. And I think it was a big success. I mean, you know, you always have people signing up now. So, I mean, it's just a way to help recruiters so they can't reach everybody. And, you know, so that's, that's also another way. Stay in contact. Let them get your information, right? Brigades offer a free false water or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Your highest recruiter? <laughs> Got to stay in contact. So a lot of stuff we, you guys just discussed there, right? So some of this is going to take a little bit of time to, yeah. like we're talking long-term here, but we're talking short-term too. I guess my question would be, what, what do we do at the team level now? Like how do, we, how do we overcome some of these challenges or what can we do to expedite this or, um, you know, see some of this stuff through? just given what we currently have. Yeah, I just think collecting photos after each deployment, having like the PAO clear them and then just having those pushed out uh, on the 95th page, on the ASD page, on, throughout the battalions, and then also uh, pushing those out to sort. Because I see that a lot of, I don't think the CAA pamphlets have changed since I came to CAA. <laughs> like really, I mean, like the, yeah. the photos are usually the same and, and there's nothing wrong with them, but I think just having a fresh look at things is always good. And so I, I think that's the first step. I think that's the band-aid to the long term. Uh, cool. And you're talking just recruiting? Or no, recruiting? I'm talking every, like what oh, about training everything. and all that oh, stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, no. Chris and I had actually just had a conversation about this today, well, several times, but <laughs> again today, um, that uh, I think really since 9-11, there's been this, uh, we, we, were, we were really pressed for personnel after 9-11, and we got into this model of we're outsourcing training, and it got to this point where it's like, uh, if it's, you know, this company or that company, it, it means something. But if I get it at my unit, it means nothing. NCA, we have some of the most competent NCOs in the entire Army. I mean, you you could go into, walk into any battalion and you can find tons of NCOs with, with degrees, with experience in civilian life that is, you won't find anywhere else, right? Um, even looking at, at, at the 95th, you know, our CSM has, has a master's degree. You know, that's not something you see at a normal unit. We have extremely competent people, and everybody comes from a different MOS um, where they have a, a, a degree of competency there. Uh, the 95th stood up the uh, ASD, which I think is phenomenal. But we have to get to the point, again, where we look at each other as... Uh, as experts, as subject matter experts in certain things and start trusting each other and saying like, hey, we can do this ourselves. Sure, we can go to some other course, but if we're coming back from that course, what are we putting back into our own organization and how can we formalize that? How can we build on it? And how can we make sure that that stays at the unit and we can turn it into something that's truly ours? So 
this idea of it has to be taught by somebody who's not CA for it to be valuable is, I think, one of the most detrimental things to our regiment. We, we have phenomenal NCOs. We have phenomenal officers. We have people that, that have skills that, that we truly need and that we can build on and we can create something truly unique. And in the end, I think if we do that, uh, you look at all these other MOSs, whether it's RSLIC or Ranger or whatever, they're created by different MOSs, and everybody wants to go there and receive that training. I think we have the I think we have the ability to do that. I have I think we have the ability to create uh, training programs that the rest of the Army will see value in, and they'll be calling us up and saying, "How do I get a slot for my soldier to go to that course?" I think that's the ultimate goal, and it begins today with investing in yourself. Um, you know. Uh, recognizing the competency that your fellow NCOs and officers have and um, and trying to get those ideas down. And that's that's what we tried to do when we wrote this paper is get stuff on paper, send your ideas up, see what we can build together. Uh, I think that's that's the future. That's how we start today. Yeah, <clears throat> the two I had were, um, I'm not sure how it's being done now. I know the course is changing a lot, but I'd like to see from what I hear from people just graduating, from my friends that graduated recently, from myself, I'd like to see more integration with officers and NCOs in the course. I know it's kind of hard because you have to teach certain things, um, but a lot more integration on that level besides like doing the, the exercises together and everything. I think that'd be beneficial. That way when everyone gets to a team, they understand each other's roles and responsibilities as well. Uh, that was just a quick one. And then the next one was the junior and senior thing. Um, I think there's something to be said about figuring things out on your own, um, but I think we could you know, boost the the maturity process by having maybe someone who's more experienced there. Um, there's always that guy in the company who's, who's been there a little bit longer than everyone else. So everyone kind of goes to him, but there's something you said about having a couple of them. And, you know, you always are calling that medic that's forward deployed, like, hey, what do I bring? What do I need? What equipment? This And there's so much that goes into it. And in a way, he acts as a senior, but it's also nice to have someone there to kind of show you the, the ropes on what's going on as far as equipment, things like opportunities, just, you know, and your team sergeants, obviously, they're doing it, but you know, maybe specific to a medic or a civil reconnaissance NCO. I think those are all all valid points. Haley, do you have anything that you wanted to, to add to that? Oh, I don't really think I have anything else to add. I just, uh, Chris and Matt are right, though, just having more people experienced in the company. And I know it's tough right now because we're under strength. I mean, some companies only have, like, eight people to a company, so it's hard to really get new Canco's on the right path. I mean, they're coming to a team where there may only be one team sergeant or team leader is that. So I know right now it'll be tough to do, but hopefully when we can get the MOS back balanced, we'll be able to move forward with these kind of changes. No, I, I agree. And I, I think really like you guys are talking about institutional knowledge, right? At the, at the unit level and then just professional development. So I guess what do you guys think is, what has been most beneficial to you guys as far as professional development at the unit level? Like what, what things have you guys, outside of what we just talked about, what has benefited you guys most? Has it been like LPDs at the battalion level? Has it just been company, like things come together? Hey, we're going to discuss these topics. Or I think uh, for myself, I, this is, I'm now in my, the fourth CA battalion of my career, so two in the 85th, uh, uh, two in the 95th. Um, and I, I think the biggest, one of the biggest hangups we have is you have these people who say, I don't want to do this because it's, it's not branded soft, right? And so soft is not a course 
Soft is, is, is not an MOS, it's a mindset. And if you're not willing to pick up everything you can and internalize that and pick out what you need, you're losing out. So I think on our team, like all, all three of us, we were always working on something. Uh, before we deployed, Haley was enrolling herself in every comma course she could find on Fort Bragg. And it wasn't, how do I get a V18 Echo course? It was, what is open? I will take whatever I can in order to be effective when I go down range. Uh, Chris, every Monday we had medical Mondays. So he was setting up medical training every single Monday. Even deployed, we were doing medical training every Monday. And each time it, it was progressive, there was more and more. Uh, everybody was doing online classes. Whether or not we thought it particularly pertained, if there was one thing we could get out of it, we took it. So uh, a lot of people would push it to the side and say, oh, it's an online course. It's, it's stupid. It doesn't matter. Well, if I can get one thing out of that online course that allows me to talk to a unified action partner somewhere, I'll, I'll take it. It's worth my time. So there's nothing that's not worth your time. There's uh, no opportunity or no school out there that cannot benefit you. Everything you can get your hands on, take it. Um, and, and the idea that it has to be branded soft or it has to be from a certain company, I think is, is, uh, is a huge, uh, huge problem. Um, we have to keep in mind that the people that we fight around the world don't go to courses and, and they are serious adversaries. And they don't have this mindset of, well, it has to be from here or there for me to take that, right? They'll take anything. And uh, if we get back to that mindset, which is, is the original soft mindset, which is I will take whatever I can, I will take it apart, I will pick out what I need, and then I will use it to accomplish my mission, uh, I think that's, that's where we need to be. So for professional development, everything we can get our hands on, uh, we, we try to utilize. So for me, uh, I kind of break that into tactical and then educational. So for educational, uh, you know, Matt, I didn't know about before, but the Joint Special Operations University, Matt kind of put me onto that. And uh, going through their courses uh, just gave me the, the, the fundamental knowledge and, and ability to talk about um, things with Department of State or Embassy personnel overseas that, that really put me in a good place that I wouldn't have been in before. Um, there's just not enough time in the course, and it's so vast, depending on where you go, to be able to learn some certain things like that. So, you know, Matt putting me on that was 100%, uh, you know, you know, beneficial for me for going to range, and that, I broke down to my educational, and that helped me. And then tactical, um, ASD was big. And, and again, at the unit level, we had we have amazing shooters on our um, uh, our company, so just going out to the range with them all the time, being able to shoot, um, you know, we, we did uh, things like what they do at OEX or, or Griffin Group, uh, company, company internal, and it was just so beneficial for me to, to be able to do that, so you got to really break the tactical down to like shoot, move, communicate, medicate. So I developed the, you know, the medical Mondays. Uh, Matt kind of helped me with that. And I, um, we still begin, I still compile all my training uh, for the next person to use. And I, I just, you know, dis disseminate that out to uh, other medics. And um, we've actually formulated a way to hopefully, we're working on right now, uh, train the entire battalion in, in, in teacher IC, not just annually as a requirement, but have continuing teacher IC and then teams where there is only a team leader in Kenko right now, they don't have a medic, they can go to that program and train and you know, while people are processing, they're going through that training. So you essentially not only have the medics, but you have 
everyone on the team's first responder qual- uh, qualified and everyone in the battalion first responder qualified. And that's something that Ranger Regiment's doing. Um, I kind of picked some people's brains on that, and I really was like inspired by that. You know, their stories doing it. So I want to be able to create a platform where we can do that, and then also a platform uh, where medics can go for personal development and training and ideas on how to better themselves and their team. Because learning, learning never stops, really, and that's all internal. And I think that's the, been the biggest um, for me. So then I'll, I'll add a couple topics to it. So you talked a little bit about it, but then, like the technical side of it for CA. So. Um, I think personally, I think one of the biggest issues that we have uh, on a team at the NCO level is just being able to conduct analysis. And part of that, I think, is because we don't really cover it in the pathway, right? So uh, I was talking with Major Ian Duke a couple weeks ago about this. I felt like as a team sergeant, when they were pulling me off the team, that was when I was finally like, I think I got this analysis (laughs) stuff down. I think I understand it now after doing this for four or five years, right? so how do we how do we expedite that? How do we, you know, speed that process up to where those E sixes are the CANCOs and the medics on the teams understand that within you know six seven months they're starting to like okay I've got a, a, a firm grasp on this. How do we expedite that? How do we expedite you know all the other things that go into human network analysis or that's building those products afterwards or just again the analytical analytical portion of that? I think. I- I think I have a, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, was creating internal training that was uh, not mandated but encouraged during the PMT cycle where you could have experienced individuals in that subject, much like they're doing uh, ASD running the Silver Constance course, uh, have them come and do that, that company or, or team, one team per week level training so everyone can get, depending on their training cycle, on those subjects. And maybe that's the way to start getting that, that information disseminated out to the, the team level and the companies. So did you have um, yeah, I think sometimes we, we become a slave to uh, metrics, right? Yeah. So we're always trying to uh, figure out, like, how do we quantify things? Um, there's a lot of different platforms out there uh, for, for human network analysis or SEM. And uh, a problem that I'd run into uh, when I was at the G9 is we were initially trying to get stuff put into a certain repository. And when we asked for help with it, that we had all these people come back and they're like, well, I looked at the repository, there's nothing in there. And we were like, yeah, I know, we're trying to populate that repository. So, uh, but at the end, if, if, if they realize, okay, as you're doing this, right, you're creating a metric. You're creating a thing that can be measured um, that not only, not only is going to help you on your deployment, but it's going to be there for other people to draw on. So I think if we look at whatever repository we're using, uh, we're looking at what's there for our area. As we do that area study, um, we're populating the repository with what we find. So if you're, if you're uh, looking at the uh, appropriate uh, Intel repositories that are out there, they have things, right? And we can populate our repositories with those. And as you're populating that, you're doing uh, what we call uh, digital civil reconnaissance, right? You're seeing stuff digitally um, that you're going to see when you're on the ground. So it's familiarizing you with the area, but at the same time you're populating that repository. I think that gives people an idea of, okay, I, I now, I'm getting this sneak peek at where I'm going. I'm also filling this repository. As I'm filling the repository, I'm understanding what I need to look for on the ground and fill in those white spaces and provide that clearer picture. 
the same time, I'm creating a metric, right? So I, I executed so many uh, things in this repository, right? And you calculate that as a percentage of the overall uh, size of what's there. So uh, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's you're, you're driving, like creating NCOER bullets, but sometimes that's what it takes. You know, uh, you have to say, okay, there's a metric to this, right? And you, you can quantify it. And, and this is a way you can measure yourself and you measure yourself against your peers. Some people don't like that. For me, if that gets the job done, if that's what I need to do, that's a carrot I have to put out there to do that, then, uh, then that's what I have to do. But uh, currently, I'm, I'm working in the uh, human network analysis section for 97. I can say hands down, best HNA section I've ever seen. I've been in CA for uh, about nine years. Um, really top-notch work that they're doing. In fact, when I came in, I was like, I don't know if I'm up to task for this job because I thought I knew what I was doing until I walked in there and, and I saw uh, Sergeant Scarisbrook and uh, uh, Clunan and uh, Major Walsmith. I, I was like, wow, these guys really have it together. And uh, they actually started developing a POI to try and teach human network analysis uh, to the teams that are going out the door. And they've done a really fantastic job. Uh, never seen anything like it in nine years. So um, I think as these things start coming online, uh, 97th has a great idea, which is they're teaching these teams. They do an H&A week before these guys go out the door. And I think that's a, a really good start is um, making sure the guys are trained, make them understand um, the repository that, that they'll be using and, and the contribution and, and uh, creating that clearer picture. Yeah, so... What I'll do now is I'll just open it up to you guys if you guys want to have any, any closing comments about anything that you've talked about thus far. I think you guys have hit on a lot of stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff that is uh, discussed in most team rooms, like <laughs> just people sitting back there talking about, hey, here's this. And, but I think the difference is that you guys have brought a lot of uh, recommendations. They're like, hey, here's how we go forward, right? With limited, limited resources, limited access to whatever, here's how we can do this, right? And then suggested some long-term stuff that, may take proponency or other people to do, but at least the idea is out there. So do you guys have any, any closing comments or anything that you guys want to highlight or elaborate on at this point? I think for me, it's kind of like the, uh, what's the, the cliche for uh, Homeland Security, see something, say something, right? <laughs> so if you just keep it all internalized, then all it does is create this vicious cycle of people like complaining and, and there's never a solution, right? It's and then you end up just like wallowing in your own discontent and, uh, and rolling around in it, getting dirtier, and then everybody kind of you know, just brings each other down. Uh, one of the great things was, uh, you know, when when Chris said he wanted to write something, and then that got us all involved. We were like, oh, okay, and then everybody starts throwing ideas, and we're like, man, stuff's actually getting on paper. And then uh, our first sergeant, first sergeant Fitzpatrick, uh, he jumped right on board. He's like, yeah, guys, do it, do it, do it, do it. And um, and then previous to that, the first time I had published anything, I had to ask uh, uh, Sergeant Major Banfield to, to review it. I, I wasn't shy about it. I knew that he was, um, like, he knew what he was talking about. I gave him my paper first, and I said, hey, can you look at this and tell me? I don't want to make a fool of myself, you know? Um, so using that support channel, because uh, we're all, you know, we're all in this together, like the, the, the NCO Corps, we're, we're all in this together, and we have a lot of internal experience. I think everybody wants to see uh, CA succeed and become better. I know when I came through the course, 
the, the guys that taught the course had never been to the course that I was going to, and uh, but yet they made that course happen, you know. And I think uh, using that existing channel because everybody wants wants us to be better, and then just remembering that moving forward and, and trying to help out the the next guys get your ideas on paper and ask somebody to look at it, talk about these things, and and don't just complain, but but try to make something happen. So for me, uh, when this idea started, um, I think I was like six cups of coffee deep, uh, 11 o'clock at night, right? And I realized <laughs> that, most deployments. Yeah, I realized I was weighing over my head. So <laughs> this this really wouldn't have been possible without Haley or Matt. And um, something to be said about CA uh, from my experiences, uh, Major Bonham and First Sergeant Fitzpatrick supported yeah. us 100% all the way. And uh, there was never a doubt in pretty much with anything I've done or been a part of since I've been in the company. Uh, any of our ideas where it be this medical program, this other program for NCOs, more training, you know, uh, more social media influence, they've supported us along the way 100%. So there's something to be said about that that kind of great chain of command supporting these young troops. And uh, and it stems even, if you want to take it even further back, uh, NCOs such as yourself, you know, some first class Shepard, some first class Duke, you guys were all my SGLs through the course. And, uh, it's just a big impact on all the NCOs. You know, we were a small class, but, you know, we got one-on-one with you guys, as I think most people do in the course, regardless of class size, but you guys really just started that fire in me, and, uh, you know, I, I realized, you know, action had to be done. And uh, I know there's NCOs out there, because they've come to me, <laughs> and they're in my inbox, and I know they have words on paper already, and, I, you know, so the challenge I issue to them is, like, you have the words on paper, you have the ideas, you seen to fill Sarnacasa's inbox up, <laughs> nonstop, <laughs> nonstop. Yeah. So I know I know they're out there, and uh, so that's the, that kind of challenge I issue that that you know you, you have a voice, and uh, so yeah, just start start going. So Haley, yeah, I think uh, it seemed overwhelming at first, uh, like to try to write a paper because um, there's a lot of material in the paper itself, and just a lot of um, things that you know I guess need to be fixed or changed for the better. But I think what it did for us was it made us read more and, like, talk amongst each other. I was able to learn a lot by doing this, just looking at doctrine and other articles and stuff or the sources we needed to cite in the paper and stuff like that. And I think it just, uh, overall, the challenge itself made this an uh, enjoyable experience. And just, like, reaching out to people like Matt that have so much experience within the branch and just asking questions and, and picking his brain. And uh, if, if younger soldiers can do that with people that are more senior in the branch, I think it provides a better learning environment and uh, also a way to network. Um, you just can't be afraid to ask questions, you know, just propose your ideas and whether our ideas and recommendations become answers or not the wheels are still spinning and like Matt said, we're in this together. So then other people are able to build off of it. Hopefully. I couldn't agree more. And that's, that's what we're trying to do here at the, the CA association through this podcast, through the, you know, me a journalist coming out. So, Hey, like Chris said, fill up my inbox, go to the civil affairs association webpage, look on there. There's a submission guidelines on there and, you know, get those ideas out. So, Guys, I just want to say thanks for coming on. I appreciate you guys. I really enjoyed reading this. Keep doing what you're doing. Tell other people to do it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah.